You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. On today's episode, I have something really cool. I have a guest, Chrissy Maurer, and she is on the podcast, and we're talking about improv techniques, some techniques to continue conversation, techniques to be more funny. And it's really cool because she's been a stand-up comedian for over 10 years now. She's done a lot of improv, and she's also the host of multiple podcasts, which you're going to hear about on today's episode. And so we go in and dive into just a lot of stuff about conversation. So guys, can get women to open up more and they'll be able to be more fluid in conversation, you know, back to the original stuff that a lot of guys have trouble with, of course, on the How to Talk to Girls podcast. So we're going to go over that and a little bit more and you're going to like what she has to say. And she's interviewed a lot of people. So she's got just a lot of background and conversations doing hosting, doing improv, doing lots of stand-up comedy, which is one of the hardest forms of communication I could ever imagine exists. Just so difficult. So we're going to be going into all of that. Really excited. And of course, conversation is one of the toughest things that guys have struggled with. And I know this because I used to struggle with it. And every client I ever talked to struggles with it as well. And I don't want you to struggle with it anymore. If you feel that the podcast and my YouTube channel are things that are not enough to get you to the next level of where you want to be with talking to girls, with getting more dates, with being able to sleep with the girls that you want and getting into a relationship. If you feel like you're stuck, I really encourage you to check out the coaching program that I provide where I give one-on-one coaching. That's right. You work with me one-on-one and I get you to the place where you're meeting and attracting women no problem. I just got off the phone call about 45 minutes ago with a client of mine and we're only on our third session and he's already getting numbers. He's getting girls really interested in him and we're getting him to the point where his approach anxiety is pretty much dead and he is on his way. Just a few more sessions I know we'll do with him and he's going to be a rock star with women and we can help you do the exact same thing. So if you want to apply, go to coachedbytrip.com. If you want, you can go to the show notes where there will be a link in the description. You click on that and just apply and you and I will get on a phone call to see if coaching is a good fit for you. I want to work with you. I want to help you. And I want to get you to the next level. All it takes is showing up with a great attitude and doing exactly what I say. I say this to guys who sign up for coaching. I say, listen, all you got to do is do what I say and you'll get results. This is how it works. So let me guide you. Let me help you. Go to coachedbytrip.com and apply. I read every application that comes in. Okay, let's get into it. Here is my interview with Chrissy. Hey, Chrissy, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on. I'm glad we could do this in such a short notice. This is this is awesome. Oh, yeah. And I've been looking at a bunch of your stuff and you've interviewed a lot of interesting people. Why don't you just tell the guys who you are and just give a little background of what you've been doing. I know you have a few podcasts that you're on and maybe give us a little roster of the people you've interviewed and things like that just so guys can get to know you. Sure. Um, I am the host of... The Wet Spot on Compound Media, which is a sex, dating, relationship, like panel advice show. And that's uh, that's on Compound Media, which is Anthony Kumi's network. So any former fans of Opie and Anthony uh, will know who that is. And that's every week at 8 o'clock. And we'll usually have a panel of like comedians, porn stars, 
sometimes a sex therapist or a counselor, and we will answer questions that are sent in via email and, you know, live in studio audience. And also we'll have people call in. And then I have my own podcast, which is called the Chrissy Mayer podcast. And that those are longer form one-on-one interviews, video and audio. So the, the video audio is available on YouTube. And then if you just want to hear it, it's on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and maybe Stitcher. But um, And those are really great too, because we'll get more in depth with people. Whereas the wet spot is like fluffy and fun and we'll do funny segments. And it's, it's some, you know, it's more just like fun, fun radio, like pranks and stuff like that. And then I also have like a third show, which has been going since the quarantine called Never Have I Ever, which which is a game I think a lot of us maybe have played in high school or college where you'll say like, never have I ever blacked out or whatever the thing is. And if you've done it, you take a drink. And this is like, you know, Hollywood Squares style. There's nine of us on a Zoom. And if you've done the thing, you drink and then you tell a fun story about, you know, whatever it is. And then we all sort of like get to know each other in a fun TMI kind of way. I love it. That's awesome. How did you get into all this? Oh, wow. I'm, I've been doing stand-up comedy for about 10 years. And uh, I guess like even before that, I did improv comedy, which if most people don't know improv comedy, like if you've seen the show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? I started doing that like right out of college. When I was in college, I was going for you know communications major. I really thought I wanted to be a reporter. So I had an internship at Dateline when I was a junior. And I was like, oh God, this is so boring. <laughs> you know, but I had already worked on getting rid of my Long Island accent, which I guess always serves me well. And then I was able to get myself an internship at Conan for the following year. And then I just was like, I just fell in love with like being around comedy people. And I was like, oh, this just this just feels like the right place for me. And although I was like an intern, I was like getting people coffee and getting Conan his favorite gum and yogurt. I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I need to do. And the, uh, <laughs> the writers on Conan were all like, you need to do improv, you need to get into improv, you need to do UCB and all that stuff. And I was like, okay. So when I graduated, I went to the UCB theater, which is, I think they just went bankrupt actually. Oh um, no, because of COVID. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also like the classes are like $400, probably more now. So yeah, I did, I did all the classes at UCB. And the only way I was able to afford that is because I was like working full time and living at home in Long Island. So I would commute every day work and then I would do an improv class like once a week and then maybe another day that week, you know, a practice team or something like that. And then the other days of the week be like sitting, sitting in on improv shows, just like absorbing and sponging up as much sort of comedy as I could. And I was like obsessed, just like a real improv groupie. And then I sort of did a little team at the UCB. Then I was, I I felt like I wasn't really moving forward, you know, at that theater. I was like, I feel like I'm not fitting their very specific t- style. And everyone loves the fucking UCB. That's where they would like pluck people out to be on SNL. Like it's oh, yeah. UCB and Second like everyone City. comes in there. Yeah. Everyone comes in there. They're like kissing ass from day one. It's like they're very... People get very desperate to just like be in that circle and be liked by the right people. And after a couple of years, I was like, okay, I mean, I've taken all the classes. And then you also have people that are just not that there's anything wrong with taking an improv class in your 40s and 50s, but if it's like, if you're not progressing and you're still like paying all this money for classes, it's like, 
it becomes a little bit sad. So after after I felt like I went as far as I could go with them, I started, you know, I went to the Magnet Theater. I took all their classes. And that's just, there's multiple uh, improv theaters in New York City. So did I'm the curious, same thing. What's, what's yeah. something you, you learned? Because you've done a lot of improv, it sounds like. And that's something I recommend guys who are really shy to do so they can get better yes. at coming up with things on the spot and being able to hold conversation better. Is there any common tips or techniques that you've heard within the, all the improv classes that you've done that you can share with guys to help with conversation? Now, like, I wonder if there's like... A, like I know there, there's the yes and technique, like things like that. Like, Do you have anything to share there that, that guys can kind of use oh, and learn for conversation? Absolutely, God. And it's so important. I would recommend to anybody who has a fear of public speaking is in a new city and wants to meet friends, has a hard time talking to people of the opposite sex. This is going to be like for men or women. Like everybody struggles with this at one point or another. If you just want to like get out of your comfort zone. And, and I would see people in these classes like, oh yeah, I'm here because of my work. Like I need to just get more comfortable speaking in front of people. And that's what was kind of refreshing about improv is not everybody there is like, desperate to be on SNL. You have a lot of just like real ass like people, like dads, you know, or just like bored, like stay-at-home moms that are like, I needed to do something. Um, so it would be nice to be in a room with like, not all like ass-kissing theater types. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like I, I just was doing it for so long that it, you sort of, there's a certain type that's that you'll see a lot of in the community. But I think it's always good. Like, what are the early, like the earliest things? Of course, listening. But like, if you don't know how to how to listen, if you if you haven't worked the muscles of listening, it's like mirroring is really good. Like, and you can start by like emotionally mirroring somebody. So if like, so what's that? yeah. So if like you go to talk to a guy or a girl, and if they're kind of like loud and energetic, you you should try to meet that. You should try to like match them up there, you know. And or if they're sort of like quiet and shy, like don't come in like with so much energy and because you might <laughs> scare them off or, and I guess if you're in a conversation and maybe someone is talking about a tough subject and they start like feeling a little bit sad, like to just like notice where the per the other person is emotionally, which works great in an improv scene and it also works well for in real life, you know, because so much of our conversations are just us waiting to, to our turn to say something rather than like try to just drop whatever you were going to say and like just listen to what's coming at you. It's so easy. It's easier said than done. But that is... deal with the nerves yeah. though? Like I, mean, I can imagine it's kind of scary, right? I mean, you're, you, sometimes you're even on stage, you're performing amongst your peers or maybe in front of other people. Like how do you... How does one or maybe something you've been through, you have any stories of... of getting through that kind of like shakiness, like that like anxiety, that kind of scared feeling. It's also mixed with the feeling of excitement. Oh, yeah. Through, and you're trying to listen to someone and then work off of them. And then you're doing it on a whole other level. Because when you're doing improv, it's usually comedy improv. That means that not only do you have to continue the storyline and continue the conversation, but you got to do it in some funny way. Like, how, how do you deal with that in your mind? you'll hear people say, oh, like imagine the audience in their underwear or whatever. Like imagine you're dating your, in their underwear, which you probably already are <laughs> uh, if they're good looking. But it's weird, like the way that my mind works in a comedy sense, like with improv, like I would just be, it's almost like an ADD like uh, kind of thing where I'm just like 
I'm listening for when I can do like a play on words or like I'm constantly running through different words and different jokes in my mind till something catches. And then, and then you have to just like wait for the right timing, which like you can't really learn. That's kind of like you're born with that. But as far as like conversation wise or just like with doing stand up, yeah, I'm, and I'm always anxious. Like that feeling never fully goes away because I might have a big show or I'm trying to get a good tape to submit for something or uh, it's like a festival. So like, especially if the stakes are high, like that, those nerves never go away. But like part of what helps me is telling myself like, okay, you're not nervous, you're excited. And then, you know, your thoughts are so powerful, right? Like our thoughts dictate our whole life. So I think sort of, not that you're kidding yourself, right? Not that you're going to try to be like, oh, I'm not nervous at all. I'm cool. I'm calm as a cucumber. It's like, no, you don't want to kid yourself. But if you can shift to a more positive angle of what you're feeling, like, okay, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. I am stoked, you know? I like that. No, I, I yeah. got a I got a a tip from a guy who's a magician. This was about <laughs> this uh this must have been eight years ago. And I was giving a speech. And this is like when I was first starting to be a, be a dating coach, and I was it was my first public speaking event on dating. And I was nervous. The dating coach, like me, like I was nervous. I was like, whoa, I've never done this before. And I was like, ooh, I gotta, you know, figure out these nerves a little bit because I'm gonna be in a room of, you know, a hundred guys and and a lot of peers and I'm gonna have to really bring it. So I was talking to my friend who's a magician who performs in front of hundreds, sometimes thousands of of people. And he said something similar to you. He was saying to me that the feeling of excitement and the feel of feeling of anxiety, it, it creates the same physiological response in your body, right? Like a fast heart rate and and kind of shakiness. So if you can tap into that and remind yourself this is not fear. This is excitement. You can turn it around a little bit. And what's funny is after that's happened, there's been times in my life where I've been really excited and I beca- I became aware of that. I was like, whoa, this is so funny. Like I'm excited right now. I'm not scared at all for whatever was happening in the moment. And I noticed in my body, I was feeling the exact same thing. It was so strange. Hmm. That is, that is, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's nice that, that you can that get kind of similar for you. It's pretty cool that you can get like you can listen to a magician and somehow that will translate to like ultimately dating tips, but that's really it's cool. Magic. Like magic. yeah, anybody who's good at in their field is, you know, there's always going to be like transferable skills. And like what you said before, like the the concept of yes and if people are hearing that and like what the hell is he talking about? Uh like the the sort of improv concept of yes and is like you're taking the information you have, you're accepting it and then adding on to it. So if you're like, if you're, whether you're doing a scene with somebody or you're having a conversation with somebody and they're talking about, oh, like when I was little, I grew up uh, like on a sailboat. Like we'd always go out my family's boat. Like you wouldn't be like, oh man, I fucking love hot dogs. You'd be like, oh, quickly. Do I have any boat stories? No. In fact, uh, I get really seasick. So it's like you would try, you know, because that, kind of tells the person that you've been listening and that you care about what they're saying and that you're adding your own experience, whether it's like positive or negative or wow, like that sounds really cool. Tell me more about that. I've never been on a boat. And another good thing to remember is like this applies to comedy and just like life trying to talk to people. Don't feel like you need to pull out all your tricks at once. And like maybe even this sounds more like a magician advice, but don't feel like you have to sell yourself like at all, you know, like don't, don't pull out all the things. Cause like, I think what, what I hate the most when I'm dating somebody and I don't want to speak for all women, but like, 
if you come across like just bragging too much, if you're, you know, bragging about like your money or your just the things that you have, like it comes across like kind of icky. So just be positive and don't worry about having to impress the person because like that stuff will, the good stuff will come through in time. And like the thing, don't, I guess, like prejudge what you think is going to be important to a woman. Just sort of like wait and listen to see like what, what, like what makes them feel alive? Like what are, what do they love? And I think it just really does come down to listening and just dealing what's in front of you first and not, not trying to like anticipate the next funny thing you're going to say or like the next story. And I think also too is like being vulnerable first helps a lot. Like if somebody's not opening up and that's something like I'll do in an interview is like if I want to talk to somebody and I know that their mother just died, I will talk about how my mom just died like two years ago. And I'll like, and I have no problem getting vulnerable. I'll get all into it. Like I'll get into whatever it is because I find that that makes it easier. Like, okay, this person's already kind of shown me who they are. So they don't feel like they have to make the first move in, in case they do feel nervous talking about that kind of stuff, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's like you you are making them comfortable when you're opening up. So that's going to make them feel comfortable and they end up reciprocating. It's kind of like the law of reciprocity. It's like when you give, some people feel like they have to give in return. And in this case, it's kind of like a weird thing happening. It's like they have that reciprocity, but they're going to feel more comfortable doing it because you did it. And it's funny because mm-hmm. that happens to me all the time. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still human too, right? Like I'm talking to people, even though I'm aware of it, it's still affects me. Like someone opens up to me. I'm like, oh, I feel, I feel almost like, not like I owe them, but it makes me like I want to like, oh, they shared something with me. Let me share something with them. It's like this whole thing about connecting to, to your fellow being, right? It's like that, that's what happens. So that, that's interesting. It's also interesting. I'm curious when you're doing back to some of the improv stuff, when you're doing some of the improv techniques, has it ever gone really wrong? And how have you came back from that? Because I know a oh, lot of yeah. guys, they say weird things or say something <laughs> yeah. like this, it falls flat. And then they're like, oh my God. And, like, and then it just destroys them for the rest of the conversation. Anything like that? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that happens all the time in stand-up. Like you'll, you think you can read a crowd, you say it, you know, you tell a joke about like anal sex or whatever it is. And then you're like, oh wow, this is a group full of like 60 somethings, you know, or or whatever. Like, oh, I just told a joke about threesomes and I'm just now noticing nobody in here is about that life. And just the simple fact of acknowledging that something bombed is enough to lighten the mood. Like I'll just be like, oh wow, I guess, I guess you guys don't like my threesome joke. Or like, I guess that didn't go over well. Like it's just you don't have to think of something funny to make up for it right away. Just acknowledging that didn't go over well is like kind of resets it. And I think that also applies to dating. Like if you just go into a into a place that maybe you're you guys are too new to talk about yet with each other like if it's oh are you just, oh my favorite sexual position is doggy and she just is like quiets down and you're like all right i guess it was too soon for that i'm sorry <laughs> you know right calling it out yeah and 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 being aware of how the other person's feeling in the conversation but then never making a note of it again just moving on yeah yeah not don't you don't have to obsess because she'll make mistakes at one point too. Like both of you will take turns being weird, and that's how you get to know each other. And that's like, and if somebody can't accept you with like an, you're an occasional weird thing, like that's probably not somebody you want to spend a lot of time with and get to know better because you know you should be like accepting of one another. 
Right, right, totally. I'm yeah. curious. I know you've been in a relationship for five years now. Is that right? Yes. So talk about dating before that. I don't know if you can remember. I know even me five <laughs> years ago. It seems like a long time ago. Five years ago, or we'll probably say like five to seven years ago, when you were dating, Mm-hmm. Did you have any situations where you were talking to a guy and he he messed up, but he, he was able to come back from it? I know it's such a specific question. I don't know if there's anything that that. No, I know. From, I from totally know, and that's that happens a lot to guys. Like me personally, like I, uh, I think the way I was raised, I'm such a like a a people pleaser, and I and I want everything to go You're well. The nice girl. Yeah, I don't we like. Call, we call guys the nice guy. Ugh, when, when the nice when girl, right? Pleasing. Yeah. Uh, I don't like conflict, and like I, I have just a unique skill for not not having anybody feel uncomfortable around me. Like I, I'm super accepting, and even if it is weird and it does make me feel a little uncomfortable, like I can kind of soften it. And like I might on the inside feel a little weirded out, but I would never let it be known to the guy because I just like I just want the date. I wanted the date to go well, so I would just be like, oh yeah, yeah, of course, and then. But probably now, if I were dating, I would be way more comfortable calling it out and even like roasting them a bit because I've done so many roast battles. But like kind of in that fun way that men make fun of each other, I would be more like that now. But like, yeah, back when I was dating, like, yeah, whatever, six, seven years ago, I was a great, I was a great date. I was <laughs> so funny, but I wouldn't be too funny. Like if the, if I was like, oh, this guy likes to think he's funny, I would sort of just sit there and nod and drink and let him think he was the funny one. <laughs> that, that's kind of nice of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's great. But that's like, great. yeah, your question was like, had anybody ever like bombed in front of me and like, what's a way that he could come back? Yeah. Um, nothing that I can remember specifically, but like I would never, you know, judge someone super harshly for a moment like that. Right, right. Yeah. So what, what else? What are some other, anything, other cool improv techniques that you've, that you've learned at your time of, of, you know, all the classes you've done. And so like many that. of like the improv exercises are are kind of like weird theater exercises. Oh you yeah, know, no, like teach us, oh, teach yeah. us. It could be good. There were games, and this is not something that you'd ever do on a first date, but there are like we there was this one exercise where we would just like sit Indian style on the floor and look into each other's eyes, like completely silent, and just like stare at the other person and. Like I think because it's you're trying to develop group mind and listening and trying to communicate without just by looking at somebody, like seeing where they're at emotionally. I mean that, but that would be creepy if you busted that out on a first date. You're like, let's just stare at each other. <laughs> let's do that. Then we also have like you know it would be like pass the clap where everyone stands around in a circle and you just like you know you pass the clap diagonally to somebody, but you have to be you have to have eye contact for it to work and for you to not skip a beat. Is there anything that you, that they taught you that you practice on your own, like at home? Like if a guy doesn't have a someone to do this with, like are there any solo improv techniques? I know that kind of hmm. defeats the point because it's all about connecting and talking to someone else. But I'm wondering if there's anything that they taught yeah, you. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's it's all just like it's. I'm trying to think of like what would be useful that translates to the dating world and. I don't know that anything does because a lot of the improv things is like, oh, start a scene with an emotion. Like, you know, so you're not going to like, I'm going to walk into this date. I'm just going to be angry no matter what, you know. Whereas yeah, at the same time, I, it still, it, it, it translates because I feel like when you're learning all this stuff, it just gets you better at conversation in general and knowing how to, 
to react to people and knowing how to just hold yourself in a conversation. I can't really speak for it because I've never done improv classes before. So I don't know firsthand, but it just intuitively feels that way. I don't know. Yeah. And I know, and I feel foggy on some of the basic principles myself because like my last improv class was probably 2009. And then I did a one-woman show and I started stand-up in 2010. So that's already like 10 years ago. And I've just been doing stand-up since then. But I've gotten really good at crowd work, which is just basically you know making quick judgments about people and then sort of the tried and true things that you know make people laugh. Like like as, as simple as like, oh, you see like a guy in a salmon colored shirt. Be like, oh, uh, I, like I see that you're gay. Thanks for coming out. You know, like to me, it sounds like kind of a hack thing to say, but it makes, it'll make the room full of people laugh because just stereotypes are funny. Like even, which is what I worry about, like, you know, the increasingly woke culture is that, you know, people are going to tend less towards comedy clubs just because they're, might be scared of the coronavirus, but I'm just I worry about like this trend that we're in now where we're canceling one another for if you just don't like one joke. So, but is there any yeah, joke bringing, that you've done and it just hits like nine point nine times out of ten? Um, um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, I'll be like, oh, um, like I just got out of an interracial relationship. My last boyfriend was Dutch. You know, not ethnically. He just never paid for anything. Um, <laughs> that's, which is that's like great. it's like you know that's that joke is more like oh that's cute you know <laughs> but there are, I've sort of organized in my brain like okay certain age certain demographic what's gonna work what's not gonna work and I'll just I'll I'll be able to quickly not that I'll drop material but I can spin my angle a little bit like again like if I'm in front of an older crowd and they're just married couples I'm not gonna talk about like my wilds like single times because they're not gonna be able to connect to that. But I'll angle it like, wow, you guys are all, wow, you've been married 35 years. That's amazing. My longest relationship was like four inches. You know, like I really look up to you guys. Like I hope one day, you know, I can be like you guys, almost like you're you're putting value on where they're at and you make fun of yourself. So, because you don't want to be like, oh, you guys suck. You're boring. You're married. You, you wouldn't be like, no, you guys are where it's at. Like I've made mistakes in my life and you're and you just sort of like, make them the important one instead of just going into it, just trying to shit on everybody right away. Although there are circumstances where when you are shitting on the crowd, like they love it. So they're loving it, right? Yeah. It really depends that, on, on that's who great. it is. I'm, I'm curious too, uh, because you're a comedian and a lot of guys want to learn how to be funny. And I found, and I say this every time I interview someone who's done comedy, that teaching someone how to be funny might be one of the hardest things you can teach. I, I have no idea how you would do that. And I know there's books written on it. So clearly people are doing it. But do you have any tips for any guys? Do you have anything that you could offer to someone in terms of how to be a little bit funnier if they want it to be funny in a crowd or with a girl on a date? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're somebody who like, wow, I really... And I've had like the whole gamut. Like I have guys who would like just hit on me and date me because they want to get into stand-up comedy. And like that, that very quickly reveals itself as like the reason why they're interested. And that happens to so many of my girlfriends who do stand-up as well. Like after like one date, they're like, oh, this guy really just wanted to get into stand-up and they wanted to know like what contacts they had for him. So you're like, ugh, it's gross. But it happens all the time. If you find that you're naturally funny and you're cracking your friends up, like that's great. That means like you, you know, you have like some sort of a wit to you. I would say like watching comedy podcasts really helps. 
And if you, I, th- I think that's a good way to do it. Like, I mean, I'm going to, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the compound media network. And if you watch like Anthony Kumi's show or even like in hot water, I mean, they, they have such a good sense of humor, but like, I'm, I'll take Anthony Kumi's show for an example, like him and his co-host Dave Landau, like they're so quick, like to watch that show and any good, funny podcast the way that the people on the podcast will sort of fill in each other's sentences. And also like Real Ass Podcast on Guest Digital Network is one that I do a lot. And a lot of the times like we get to know each other like over the years, like you know these people, you know, they're like just any group of friends, but like watch these podcasts and see the way that people fill in each other's sentences and and kind of like almost like one up each other. And if that sort of aligns with your sense of humor, it's it's like a nice, because you can't teach somebody to be funny, but if you are funny, there are ways to channel that. And also like guys listening to this, like you shouldn't, if you're not like naturally funny, like don't feel pressure to, to, to like make yourself funny because that's the only way a guy, a girl will like you. Like that's, it's not true at all. Like don't, you know, don't force it if it's not there. But I would say like, yeah, like listening to comedy podcasts is, I think can teach you a lot just about like rhythm and timing. And like, yeah. you know, if you watch stand-up specials too, but that's more of like a one-way conversation unless you listen to like Big J Okerson or Aaron Berg who are comics who are really into crowd work and they'll sometimes do an entire set just with crowd work, just with talking to the crowd. So those are good examples of people to watch and also podcasts because then that will apply to your real life conversations and not like, you know, it's fun to watch a stand-up comic that is just all material, but like, are you going to have takeaways for your real life? Not as much right. because it's a one-way performance. That's a really good tip. I never thought about that because I've been telling guys too, is watch your favorite stand-up comedians. If you don't have any, go on YouTube, find some and, and see their rhythm and timing and the type of jokes they make. And it will kind of wear off on you if you watch enough of it and you really resonate with that comedy. But that's a great tip is watch some of that more improvisational comedy and the conversations that comedians are having with each other. Because then you'll learn really what it's like to be funny in the moment rather than, you know, guys who are not going to sit there and write a routine because they're not trying to be a stand-up comedian. They're just trying to get better at being more charismatic in general. That's a great tip. Yeah. And definitely don't, before a date, think like, I got to have these jokes ready. Like, that's not at all. Like, (laughs) you shouldn't at all. Like, your date is not an open mic. You know, even if you really, if you actually are in comedy, like, you should not be testing jokes on somebody until you've known them for a minute. But again, like, yeah, no, don't force. And also, like, the Chip Tiberson podcast is good to listen to also just for more examples of like that quick timing. But yeah, I would say like yeah, taking an improv class is, is just helpful for like opening yourself up to begin with. I think that helps yeah. a lot. But I don't know what's going on now like with, you know, the COVID crap. Like, but there might be some stuff online. There might be, there might be some improv classes online. I'm not sure if they exist, but it's tricky. Cool. It's like hard times now. I know. I yeah. know. But you know what? This podcast will be around forever. So all these people <laughs> will be listening to this, you know, a year from now and and, and that will be the case. And yeah, but I would say like mostly like, yeah, being vulnerable first, listening, repeat what you're hearing, like whether it's like words, like specific words, or like if you're just mirroring back the emotion of what you're getting, you know, like if someone's excited talking about something, then like be excited to hear it. Because then they're, if you're just there looking like you're not excited. Like maybe they're really into horses and you're not. Well, like, you know, I pretend to be a ho- interested in horses for a minute so that they don't feel 
like they they sound stupid, you know. Right, right. So you can connect with them. Better. Mirroring, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Chrissy, thank you so much for being here and, and doing this this podcast. Just remind us again, I know you mentioned a few earlier, just for the guys listening, what were some of the podcasts that you do so guys can check that out? Oh, sure. The Chrissy Mayer podcast, it's on uh, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. And also I have a show called Never Have I Ever, which is like where there's nine of us on a Zoom and we're playing like a drinking game and I'll have like porn stars and comics on on all of these shows really, but that's on YouTube. And then there's also The Wet Spot, which is on Compound Media every Monday, uh, 8 p.m. EST. And that's on uh, the Compound Media Network. Awesome. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes. Chrissy, thanks for doing this. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and also follow to, me yeah. on uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, yes, Facebook. Each other. Yes. At, at Chrissy Mayer, TikTok, Parlor, um, at Chrissy Mayer, C H R I S S I E M A Y R. Cool. Yeah, guys, check her out. She's great. Chrissy, thank you so much. Thanks. 